It's time for the Raging Cajun Army, the only place where it's all Cajuns at the time. And now, here's your host, Matt Miguez. Another edition of the Raging Cajun Army. I'm your host, Matt Miguez, and we're here to talk about the game last week against South Alabama. It was a 37-27 victory for the Cajuns. Granted, the victory was was hardly ever um, sealed up until the end. Game of give and take, if you will. We'll talk about that, and we'll also talk about the basketball games against TCU and against Youngstown State. To do it with me, Jerry Abair and Man About Town. Guys, what's going on? Fantastic. How are you? Happy Good. to be back. Good. Yeah, uh, Man About Town's been MIA for a little while. Good to have him back on the show. Now, guys, both of you were in Mobile. Um, I didn't get to make the road trip. What what, what was the crowd like? What was the overall? Um, what was your overall thoughts on the atmosphere? You know, just just talk about talk about your trip to Mobile. Um. Well, yeah. I, like I said last week, I had the chance to go. Um, my wife and I, as well as my parents, we stayed at the Beauvage in Biloxi and uh, made the quick hour trip to Mobile. And we had a good weekend. It was a fun weekend, a very active weekend. Had the chance to go tailgate with a few of our Cajun friends before the game at uh, Lad People's Stadium. The weather was beautiful, perfect fall football weather, um, and one thing I really enjoyed was just, uh, I always enjoyed just a nice road game. It was my, we try to make one road game a year, went to Monroe last year, this year we decided to do South Al, and um, it's always nice to see, you know, what the other teams are up to, or other fans are up to, and I know they had a rough season this year, uh, I think they're 1-9 and nine now, they were 1-8 and eight going into the game, and so because of that, uh, it kind of reflects on the crowd. Uh, the, the atmosphere wasn't uh, too, too great, but they still had people that showed up. They still had people that showed up, and um, we had a good time, and we had the chance to uh, to see. Like I said, they had a few Cajun fans, and, and actually, I want to say there were probably, I'd say anywhere from three to 400 Cajun fans um, At on, least. The, on the visitor side. So we, we had a good time and, and had a blast uh, kind of, Enjoying this win uh, wasn't wasn't quite the blowout I expected, but it's always nice to come out with a win. And now the Cajuns uh, control their own destiny for the Sun Belt West. So um, it was nice to go undefeated on the road for the first time. And I don't know, 40, decades. 49 years. There you go. Uh, and so it was nice to be a part of that and nice to see that live. But uh, yeah, uh, it was it was nice. It was fun. Cajuns haven't been undefeated on the road since 1970. And actually, the Cajuns are now looking for their first nine-win season since 2014, if you count the bowl games, but nine-win regular season since 1973. Wow. Uh, that, that's actually the best school rec- record in school history is 9-2. and two. So the Cajuns would tie that record with a victory on Saturday over Troy. But let's get into the scoring summary from the, from the South Alabama game on Saturday. You know, the, the game kind of started off slow. I know um, we we kind of 
meticulated our way down the field. It was a 15-play drive to open up the game. All we could get was a 22-yard field goal from Stevie Arteague to make it 3 nothing. And then, you know, about three minutes later, freshman running back from South Alabama, Carlos Davis, absolutely thrashed the UL defense 20-yard touchdown run to make it 7-3. to Josh, I'm going to ask you, what what went wrong for the the Cajuns defense? Because we'll, we'll get into it later in the scoring and the in the scoring summary. But South Alabama's offense seemed to kind of have their way with the defense. Well, to be totally honest, I thought they were disinterested. I said that to woman about town uh, who made the trip with me. To what? That's correct. Um, I thought they were dis- disinterested, and it didn't help the fact that we lost Zion Hill. We lost Chris Moncrief. Um, we were we were already dealing with a few other nagging injuries on the line, but I just thought that uh, it was almost a circumstance game, and I hate to relate it back to an LSU game, but it was similar to LSU Alabama in that it was an emotional game. It was something that they marked on the schedule at the beginning of the year. It was something that they were gunning for. You know, I guarantee you that Napier had those kids ready to play that game. One of the things that you have to overcome as a college team is that you you really have to learn how to deal with failure as much as you have to deal with success. Sometimes success is more difficult to deal with. And I think you couldn't play a better game than they played the prior Thursday. And uh, I think you saw a little bit of a letdown. In fact, I think they played the game I expected them to play. Uh, I didn't expect a blowout. I never did. Uh, I thought we, we did what with young teams learning how to win do. They go on the road and they, they lose interest. I think, I think that's that, what you saw. But here's the light at the end of the tunnel on that. And I'm going to piggyback on that real quick, Josh, is the fact that, you know, even with um, South Al, I mean, look, South Al looked at this as, I mean, they, their season's done in two weeks. Sure. Uh, they're one and nine. They have two games left. And after that, they're, they cash in. Whereas Motivation was a question. No they're they're going to close down Lad Peoples and open up that thing of beauty. Which is going to be awesome. But the reality is, is that, Mix in the fact that the Cajuns looked a little disinterested, but this was kind of like South Al's bowl game because yep. you're facing a team at home who is basically destined to at least get a shot at a conference championship again. I mean, a team I mean, that let's... is ranked in the top 40 right now. Uh, so for their sake, they're looking at this as here's our opportunity not only to play spoiler, but this is kind of like our postseason game. Sure. This, this was absolutely Agreed. their bowl game because, excuse my French, UL would have to shit the bed over the next two weeks well, to miss out on the conference championship game. As much as we've followed UL football over the past few decades, let's hope that doesn't happen. Well, <laughs> no, I mean, I, but, 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 I but say that with caution. Let's be honest. The the line that is the Sunbelt Conference Championship is about a foot in front of the Cajuns right now. Sure. Both points are well taken, and I agree. It took a perfect storm for you to get the result that you got. I mean, the game was endowed into the third quarter, which yep. that probably, you know, I... I I thought it would be a Until lot closer. Until to the third quarter. Look, I thought the 28-point spread was absurd. It was high. In fact, we played it. <laughs> so, I mean, that's full disclosure. But I think you got – again, I'll still say I got the game I expected. I thought it was a little bit more bothersome that it stayed in doubt into late into the third quarter. But I still didn't feel like we were ever going to lose the game. I was never fully concerned about it. Um we're such a we're so much more talented. We're so much better coached. We have so much better talent in key positions. Levi didn't play his best game, which is to be expected because he is what he told you he was. He has high highs and he has low lows. He he can perform well one week and not so well the next week. He did exactly what I expected. 
nothing surprised me on Saturday. Well, I was going to say real quickly too, and, and I think what, what what's good about this game, besides the fact that it's a wake-up call, is one thing that I've noticed, and this is what good teams do. Sometimes if you, let's say for instance, you, you're due for a letdown game or you, you look flat, um, good teams know when to just turn it on. Turn on that ignition, right? Sure. And I think that's what we saw on Saturday, especially through three quarters. It was, tw- I mean, it, we were trailing 21-20, I believe, uh, in the third quarter or early fourth quarter. That's right. And the second Stevie kicked that field goal to go up 23-21, I don't know what it was, but it seems like the Cajuns just turned it on. Yep. And they not only did they turn it on, but they went on a run in the fourth quarter. And that's what good teams do. Like yeah. a, a team, a Cajun team in the past might have lost this game. And what you see is, and you see, you even oh, see and it. Oh, every Cajun team in the past would have lost this game. <laughs> well, you, you see this with P5 schools, especially your good P5 schools. Like, when you go toe-to-toe with a team that might be a little inferior to you. Sure. You ever notice in the third or fourth quarter, not only do they wear you out, but it seems like they just take it to the next level. Because they realize, okay, you, you came to play. Well, now it's our turn. Now we're going to show you what we have. And I think that's kind of what this football team did in the fourth quarter was that they just kind of turn it on to another level, and it's just like you know what, we're tired of like lollygagging around. Let's let's finish it strong, and let's get out of here with a win. And I think let's, that's what they did. Let, let's I be agree. honest, the Cajuns team of three years ago, the team that went on to a New Orleans Bowl in the third quarter when Kalan Baker had recovered that fumble in the end zone to score a touchdown for South Alabama and regained the lead twenty-one to seventeen. That Cajuns team three years ago would have curled up in a corner and said, "Okay, we're done. We, we give up." Mm-hmm. And that team went to a bowl game. Yeah. That team also had about 58 scholarship players on it. Well. But but your point is well taken again. And like I said, duty's 100% right. The talent ends up taking over when the, when the talent needs to take over. Yep. And good teams know how to finish. And in the fourth quarter, when key plays need to be made, they were made. Yep. By people that we've come to rely on. So that's a good thing. And, and like I've talked about all season, you want to have teachable moments come out of these games that you expect to win, the players expect to win. Look, what... Look, these guys have social media and all this stuff. They see the spread's 21, or it's 28, it was 28 and a half. They see that. They're not stupid. Well, that's the thing. I think that's what, you know, Coach Nick Saban calls it rat poison. Remember that time he talked Absolutely. about the media and he was rat right. poison? And, <laughs> and the thing is, I understand, you know, and even today an article came out that, you know, the players are not worried about looking forward to the championship or being getting votes in the top 25 and and I understand that. I know I know that this team is going to be focused and they're ready for Troy. They're going to be ready for Saturday against Troy. Sure. At the same time, you know, 18 to 22 year old players, you know, you still have social media in the back of your mind, look, you're still look, this team is still getting votes in the top 25. Mm-hmm. This team is still one of the best G5 teams in the country. Some of those press clippings, and I hate to say it like this, but there's no question that some of these press clippings, not that they become distractions, but there's no doubt that some of these guys are reading this stuff. You know, regardless, the the main thing is it's not if it's not a matter of whether or not you read it; it's how you respond to it. If you respond to it by playing poorly on the field, that's when people start talking about the rat poison, like Coach Saban was saying. You know, he talks about the, that one time about the media talking about how great you are and all this stuff, and it creates a distraction in the locker room. As long as this team moving forward doesn't follow that and read those press clippings, it's going to be fine. But and, and when Saban's you're good... Team, Saban's team is a perennial winner. Yeah. And he, but was, when you're and he good, was concerned about all that stuff. We, we are learning how to win. And that's the thing. And when you're good, you're going to get attention. You're going to... Look, look at all the attention this football team is Senior drawing. Bowl invites, Shrine yeah. Bowl invites, all-conference invites. I mean, 
I mean, we're going to have some challenges that are not necessarily on the field coming up in the next three to four weeks. But but I think this is this could not have happened at a better time. I agree. Uh, I think this was one of those games where luckily we were just better than them to where like basically if, even if you show up you should have won. You played a D plus game, and you won by ten. Exactly. So this look, I'd rather them play like this against South Al than this week against Troy or next week against ULM, especially when now. You have to win the yeah, at least one out of the two right. to make the championship game, and both if you want to have a chance to host. So I'm glad that wake up call came last week because now moving forward against a Troy team, who by the way I know we're going to be talking about them in a little bit, they're catching fire. You, you, I'd rather have a wake up call against a team or coming up. I'd rather have a I'd rather have a wake up call against a team that's struggling. Mm-hmm. going into a game against a team that's catching fire like Troy. Yeah, this could no. not have happened at a if perfect, you're, more perfect if, if, time. If you're going to have a wake-up call, I totally agree that it, it needed to come against South Alabama where, like Josh said, you have a D-plus performance and you still, you still walk out of there with a two-score victory. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, by the way, I want to make a comment about this. Uh, I heard a few of their fans make comments about this is one of the best crowds of the year. Really? And I can tell you this. I think the last time I went was 2015 mm-hmm. where uh, I was – was that Huds last year? No, no, seven second to last year. Well, they beat us. You know, Savion Brown had the pick six, and they ended up still beating us. But that was fifteen. Yeah. The uh, the the atmosphere was comparable, uh, but I, I I didn't interact with any fans in twenty fifteen. This time, here and there, I could hear him talking while we were standing in the forty five minute wait to get popcorn. Uh, <laughs> I could hear them talking about. The buzz of the, you know, people were invited. They were excited about the game. And like you said, I think it was because the Cajuns came to town. Yeah. And not that we're the standard in football or anything. I'm just saying that, you know, eight and two, it's something It's something to look forward to. Hey, let's get an upset. Let's make this season not, the, not yeah. a total waste of our disaster. But Let's go two and ten. Yeah, but the crowd was good. I thought the crowd was fine. I, in fact, I thought their, their, their pep squad and their band Really perform. They did a great job. Yeah, we had fun I, I was, listening to them. For a team that was one and eight, I was pretty surprised by the sure. crowd. Now, granted, I mean, well, like look, I said, they made App State look mortal for three quarters. Well, like I said, the first when we went tailgate, the tailgating atmosphere wasn't quite up to par with. I mean, now, granted, we're spoiled, sure, right? Um, but it was better than when I went last time, and I made I the was, comment. I was more surprised at the crowd come kickoff time when I started seeing them yeah. pile in because we were actually up in a suite and looking over. On the, we were on the home side, and I'm looking down. I'm like, wow, this isn't a bad turnout. Sure. It's oh. an impressive turnout. And and, and for the for the listeners of, of Raging Cajun Army, you have now learned that, that Jerry is, is, is too good for, yeah. you know, too, for standard, <laughs> standard, <laughs> standard, standard common yeah. people seating. Look, we, we had the opportunity to get invited uh, into a suite, so we took advantage of it. Um, and he has a suite for the home game against Troy. No, I don't know. No, no, no. You got to come sit with us in the poor section where it smells like right. piss and urine. Look, we sat in the student section for the Texas State game, so we we went we reminisced on our old times. And granted, where we sit, the wind tunnel was oh, oh, yeah. it was horrible, so we moved. But you know, I I enjoyed I enjoyed. Uh, you know, I know Lad Peebles. It's a city stadium. I did enjoy. A, I was surprised. By is the it a atmosphere. city stadium? It is. It's, I was it's surprised. Felt like a uh, high school stadium. I was very surprised. And by the way, do they have the longest pregame band ceremony in the history of college football? They do. My yes. God, felt and, like we were there an hour. So, so <laughs> you know, y'all, y'all talked about the crowd, decent crowd. And you announced attendance was sixteen thousand seven hundred and forty-eight. That yeah, was a little bit lower than that. I think. I think it was a little bit lower I, as far as I the said. Crowd. I guess thirteen. I mean, hey. Hey, against Youngstown State Friday night, we had 40,804. What are you talking about? 
I counted them as they walked in. <laughs> we'll get into that later. Um, so, total statistics for this football game. The Cajuns had a total yards of 391 to South Alabama's 468. I do believe this was the first time this season, other than maybe the Mississippi State game, that the Cajuns were outgained in a, in terms of total yardage. Okay. Um, so, you know, that that's something interesting to, to look at. Passing yards, 136 to 116 in favor of the Cajuns. So, obviously, you know, South Alabama's dominance came on the ground game. They had 352 yards of rushing offense to the Cajuns, 255. If you look then at third down conversions, Cajuns were 5 of 13. South Alabama was 3 for 10. Cajuns were 2 and 2 on fourth downs to South Alabama's 1 for 2. Occasionally have 5 penalties. Four fifty-five yards to South Alabama's seven four forty-six. Which, by the way, was a big improvement from the prior week because we did play a little out of control. Mm-hmm. But we still had some kind of cocky penalties. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys noticed that. I was a little concerned in the first half. We cleaned it up in the second half. But I don't know if you guys, these guys are feeling themselves. And if they are, great. I want to have a team that has a ton of confidence. But at the same time, you can't go getting personal fouls against Troy. You can't go getting right. personal fouls against... Anybody you're going to play in the Sunbelt Conference Championship. Yeah, that's correct. Especially at. We see, here's what I love. The Cajuns forced three fumbles. And they forced them. Saturday. They were in there ripping, for sure. So, I, I love to see that. You know, it reminds me of the, the Peanut Tillman days, although I was walking around in a diaper. But, uh, <laughs> you know, um, the good, good, uh, good signs from the Cajun secondary. One thing I want to talk about is the performance of Levi Lewis. I bet you do. <laughs> Levi Lewis was 16 of 28 for 136 yards. He had two touchdowns, one to Neil Johnson and one to Hunter Bergeron. Both of them tight ends. You know, Cajuns haven't really thrown to tight ends a whole lot. Hashtag throw it to of, tight ends. Of recent years. Uh, hashtag make fullbacks great again. Yes. Nick Ralston. Uh, I have championed the tight end movement you know, we we kind of we, we're unlucky. I'll call it that. With Chase and Lumpkin, I thought we were going to be strong up the middle. We weren't. Uh, we, but I, I think Bergeron's coming along just fine. I really yep. do. He stepped into his role pretty well. Where was uh, twenty four uh, Pierce Meagle. Meagle? Where was he this this week? I mean, he, healthy he, scratch. I mean, he he, st- he stuck to the special teams this week. I didn't um, see him a snap on offense. Um, you know, I I think it's one of those things where. He's he's more of a special teams weapon than than he is a. Uh... Well, he was a, he was a weapon against Coastal, and I, I I kind of I expected him to be more integrated into the offense going forward. So it's not even I, I don't know if he played an offensive I, snap. I didn't see. I, didn't see I, I only, I only saw him on I only saw him on the special teams. Uh, but I'm sorry, man. If I cut you off, please. No, no. Continue. Uh, I, I was just I was just gonna say what what did you guys see? You know, obviously perspective. There and perspective on TV are different, so I want to I want to see what what y'all had to say. What what do you think of Levi's performance? Let's do a compliment sandwich. You go first. <laughs> um, you know I think this was definitely not. I mean, this was definitely not the um, performance I saw against against Coastal. You don't put the um, meat first, Jerry. <laughs> oh, okay, well, I thought I I I didn't think it was what I, I he he didn't play like he did against Coastal. Um, there were a few plays where. He was hesitant. Uh, he threw the ball away a few times, which was smart. Um, you know, 
the, the, the biggest thing about Levi is that when he's really good at throw, I've, I've said it all season, he can throw to a receiver in the flat like it's nobody's business. But when he hesitates, he really hesitates. And there were a few times the other day where he would just kind of, you know, he would hesitate and he'd kind of run around and eventually just throw the ball away. And I want to say he missed a few open receivers. Uh, but I got I to gotta compliment him. Um, in the red zone, he did a good job, especially on the, you know, within the five, he threw a few touchdown passes. But sometimes I just... Sometimes I watch him go out. He'll go. He'll drop back to pass, and I'll see an open receiver, and he misses him. And I'm just like, and I don't want to get on him for that because I think he's done a fantastic job overall. But he has his ups and downs. He has his peaks and valleys. And I think this game was uh, one of those games where he was he was in his valley, a valley, uh, valley mode. But was he in the shadow of death? No, no, no. Um, and, he would and, surely fear no evil. But at the same time, you know, every time he 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 would miss an open receiver or miss a throw one play on third down. He'd convert. He'd find a way to convert. And I'm like, he does have a knack for that. I'll give you that. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I just, you know, I'm one of those people that I wish he would go vertical a little bit more, but, and, and I do think he had the opportunity last week. I, like I said, I think he missed a few open receivers, but I mean, it's like, he can't really, I can't really say anything because we still won the game by 10 points. So he did enough to help us win. Right. That that's kind of you know some games like we said some games he looks like an all conference quarterback sure some games he just kind of you just kind of scratch your head and being like dude what are you doing and I think the other day I was kind of more on that mode of like what are you doing <laughs> how how let me ask you a question I think it was fourth early fourth quarter fourth and one from about the six it was after the punt return I believe yeah or did we end up getting a field goal anyway I we, think we kicked a field goal on that one we throw a fade on the. Uh, Fourth and three. How many of you... <laughs> Why do we keep doing that? Hey, who said one out of 36? Who said it in their head before the ball? As soon as the ball left his hand, I said, oh, one out of 36. Well, when he, well one out of 37. Well, it was that was dropped. I think it was to Bradley, and he, he didn't it was Bradley. fade it. Well, he dropped it, but... Well, my, and, when and, the ball and was you got to put air under the pass. But, and, but, and, when but, the but, ball was, but your stats are wrong. It wasn't we caught a, We caught a fade pass last, last week, so it's two for 37. Is it a fade if it's a direct pass? Though? Well, when he threw it... No, I'm when I, yeah, when so he, two out of 37. But the second he... Because that was on our side. The huh? second he threw it, I'm like... Oh God! Why are we doing this again? No, the, I the, said it out loud. I'll, I'll tell you. I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you right now. I was sitting on my couch. I'm not a fan I, of that play. When, when I when I saw know. Levi let that ball go, I said, "Oh great, zero. <laughs> my my exact words. I yeah. said, "Oh great, we're getting but it, nothing." But it wasn't fourth down. I think we kicked the field goal right after. Maybe and, it was there. Maybe it was there. And, and nothing. Right no, yeah, no, nothing the, against and, Levi, and nothing against this offense. The thing is, is unless you have a Six six receiver, the fade route doesn't Look, work. Here's the bottom line: well, when I go to a here. wedding and then I go to the reception, I don't walk in break dancing <laughs> because it isn't my it's not my strength. I go and I do the bebop to the left and bebop to the right because that's where I live. Right. So and let's bebop to Reyes and let's bebop to Mitchell and just pound pound or, pound. Or you know, don't go out. You know, I don't. I'm not gonna go do a classical dance. Because or you it's know, not like, where I live. like Charleston, we're not going to Charleston a fade route to the end zone. What are we right? doing? Like guys, the b- run the ball, or even you know? even if you want to throw the ball, like we like do we the play about, action, like we to talk the flat. Not, maybe Ralston. maybe maybe yeah. not even that. God, run a five yard out route to Nick Ralston. But that's what he's good at. That's what he's good that's at. That's where his strength. That's is, where right? his strength is. And run a five yard out route to the fullback tight end. I don't want to question 
you know, Billy Napier's play calling, but God, those fade routes, I'm just and like, then let him and why? then let why? him get why? on the sidelines with the ballers baton and hit a baseball to the freaking moon. Yeah, and I'm I'm all in favor of all that. I thought to get back, you know, circle back here. I thought Levi wasn't very good. I mean, that's just the truth. I thought that he missed plenty of open receivers. He threw some at the feet. He threw some some behind uh, behind receivers. He missed that a were few open. receivers. He didn't miss a few. I, I thought that it was one of his more poor performances in recent memory. Uh, <laughs> but it wasn't unexpected, man. Like like I said, he has told us who he is over the course of the season. He's capable of high highs and low lows. I thought he was okay. I thought he played well enough to win. Uh, and and now that's tough to say even because let me tell you something he put us in some bad positions with just because you throw it out of bounds and I know we lead the country in uh what's the name of the stat throwing it out of bounds uh, I Don't forget it away what, I mean uh, error margin or something like that uh, error margin yeah we lead the country by the way is that a real stat I mean did somebody just make that up <laughs> they find something Jay's gonna kick more. my ass for something <laughs> so but but seriously. Just because you throw it out of bounds doesn't necessarily mean, you know, oh, great decision, Levi. That's excellent. <laughs> no, that's not what it means. Look, we didn't we didn't throw it to the other teams. So but here's a plus. But here here's the thing. But you got Peter LeBlanc streaking down the middle on a skinny wide ass open. I, I that's, agree. Th- that's my I agree, point. but I'm I'm gonna I'm thing. gonna say this. If it comes down to your three choices, cause cause I'm I'm although receivers may be open, whether he can hit the receiver or not, that's he's missed a he missed a few that's the a, other day. That's I'm a, not gonna sugarcoat if that. If there's if there's three options and it's throw the ball away, get sacked, or throw a pick. Please, dear God, throw the ball away. And I understand that, but like, and I know there's fans out there. Oh, you can't bash Levi. He's he's the greatest thing ever. Look, he makes mistakes. Nobody's just like bashing. Else. That that's the thing, like, though. Nobody's I, bashing him. This I is mean, this is what our loser fan base doesn't understand. That's all fine oh, in the sun, though. Uh, disclaimer: You know, man about town's uh, uh, opinions not necessarily whatever. Here's the thing. In the Sun Belt, that's all fine. You want to go beat an App State? Can't do that. That's not going to work. Can't do that. You want to go win a, a big bowl game? Can't work. That's, ne- that's not going to work. If we're going to go beat a P5 in a Missouri next year, not going to work. We, we got to get beyond this, well, at least he didn't turn it over. I mean, you got to be, be kidding me. You got to be kidding me. At least, well, at least he didn't turn it over. Well, it's just, I mean, and there's sometimes, and there's sometimes, and like no, I said. you're right. Overall, I think look, Levi's got he look, he's been the quarterback that's led us to an eight and two record. And I like him and I want him to be our yeah. quarterback. But there are some times where I'm, I'm I remember at the game against Texas State, I'm scream I made a scene. I'm screaming What, you, what hey, are you Brett, doing? Throw it down, Philly's open, he's open, and like he just runs out of bounds. I'm like, yep. why did you do that? Yep. Why? You know, change, changing the subject here, let's commit And Levi, we love you. Look, you've done, yeah, you've done no, a fantastic nobody's, job. Nobody's bashing you. Nobody's bashing you. One, you're, you're doing there, there's no thank you for what you're, we're just you know. discussing the game. Exactly, we're, we're just we're just discussing the fact that this was one of your lower ranked performances, and we hope for better. It's, Levi's mama, look, your boy is very educated, nice young man, he's a ambassador smart for kid. the game. We love having him, but we still get look. He's got a great handshake. He's a an absolute look. Leads the country in firmness. Now here's the deal. We love him. We want him here. We want him to be the quarterback. Want us to lead. Want want to be led by Levi Lewis in the battle. But I still get to talk about the game. I'm a fan. Yep. I get sure. to critique the game. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, uh, you pay we, your money. You show up. Absolutely. Before we move on from You're the South, Al- before we move on from the South Alabama game, I do want to commend the performance on defense from Farad Gardner and Percy Butler. Uh, Farad Gardner had ten 
tackles and half a sack. And the Percy Butler had seven tackles, but he also forced two of those three fumbles. Fraud Gardner was unbelievable. Man child. Uh, open field tackling. It's one, you know you guys would agree it's oh, the and, hardest and, thing to do on defense. And here's he here's was, a, remember two years ago. Here's another yes, here's <laughs> another thing I'm going to throw out. I know some players listen to us, but Chris Moncrief, man child. Not only is he a man child. Well done, sir. But he made a boneheaded decision in this football game Saturday, which is. He got ejected for targeting. Yeah. I mean, okay, I'm all for beating the living crap out of South Alabama's quarterback. But here's here's the thing. And you know, here here's the thing. A and for people that don't know me, I am about as biased as it comes <laughs> when it comes to UL. Anytime they call a targeting on UL, oh that's crap, it's not targeting. He hit him pretty hard. I yeah. literally watched the first camera angle and said, yep, he's gone. I saw, well, when he, when he hit him, I didn't even notice it. And I saw the flag. I'm like, oh, gosh. It's Dude, he, he literally I turned s- his body into a rocket ship and launched himself into the quarterback's head. Well, I didn't notice that until when he showed it on the replay screen. I'm like, oh, he's done. Yep, he's, he's, he's done. You yeah. you just can't do that. I never saw it. I was being held hostage. Hey, by, by the, the way, South um, Al concession stand. Speaking of speaking of players, round of applause for Stevie Artig. What's it? What what is, is it? Seven in a row. He's, he's, and he's also the all-time leader in field goals made in applause, Red Cage history. Round of applause for my boy Stevie. So thirty-six. Congratulations. And All he's right, starting CB. to click at the right time where we need him most. Just keep making them, dude. Just keep making them. You have one, John. All right. Go. So now we are going to transition. I want to end the episode with our preview for Troy. Okay. So we will switch to the hardwood momentarily. We will talk about the Cajuns and their game with TCU last week in Fort Worth. Cajuns were defeated by a score of... 98-65 to 65 at Schollmeyer Arena. And, you know, I, I watched the game from home, and it, it looked like the Cajuns played pretty well in the first half. Um, but, you know, obviously injuries can be a, can be a big blow in, in the game of basketball. And when Cedric Russell went down with the groin injury, it seemed like the Cajuns kind of fell apart. Well, on top of that, not only did they get in, they have injuries, but then all of a sudden, for some reason, TCU just decided they started wanting to make three pointers. Right. They just started nailing. Because I mean, it's like I mean, the worst combo you could ask here, for. Here, here are Cedric Russell's stats. He only played in the first half. He was six of twelve from the field, four of four from the three point line, two of two from the free throw line. He had three rebounds, three assists. He had he he turned the ball over twice, but he had, he had eighteen points in the first half. He yeah. can do that before he went down. Well, could, could you imagine if he played the full 40 minutes? Well, I'll, let me tell you. Our list of shooters go like this. Cedric Russell, N-A, N-A, <laughs> N-A, N-A. And if he comes back from suspension anytime soon, P.J. Hart. And that, well, that's yeah. debatable. But the guy, we, we talked about it in a previous podcast. He has the ability to do that. 18, 18 points in the first half is, that's the kind of thing he can do. Seti Buckets. Seti Buckets. Hey. I, 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 they're gonna make him a combo guard, and they're gonna destroy his, his his real purpose. The guy, what he's put on the planet to do is get a ball off a screen and just whap whap, and he and, can. And you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. Uh, 
and we'll, I'll say it again when we talk about the game against Youngstown State from Friday night. Dugay has been incredibly disappointing to start the season. I think he's learning how to play D1 ball. He's got a I, I think he go. has a ton of talent. I think he needs to understand that he's not a shooting guard. But, but at the same time, you have, to, you have to question yourself. So we can only talk about what we see on the court, right? We're not a coach, and you know, we'll get crushed because we're not coaches, et cetera. The thing is, what are they telling him to do? Are they telling him to take the four off the dribble? Are they telling him to challenge the three because he's bigger? What are they telling him to do? Well, so we don't know. So if they're if they're if they believe that his handle is good enough to beat a three or a four, you can't really fault the guy. He's no. just doing what he's told. I mean, I mean, he, he no, just so he, happens he, to be turning it over. If that if that's what the coaches are telling them, then there's there's a huge problem within the coaching staff. Well, and you know we'll we'll get into that later. Um, Duguay was two of eleven from the field, zero for five from the three point line, turned the ball over six times. He had six of the Cajuns' twenty turnovers, but and you know I'm gonna say it again. I sound like a broken record in terms of talking about basketball. Malik Wilson is just gonna be a phenomenal player in in the Cajuns' program. He was six of fifteen, two of five from three. He had 16 points, three steals, two assists, six rebounds for Louisiana. And just his court vision, the, the way he can facilitate the ball, he, there's just there's a lot of things that he can do well. Yeah, and, and I think with him, you know, as time goes on, it's going to be interesting to see, especially with the schedule or the games coming up, especially out west. It's going to be interesting to see when he starts playing more consistent uh, competition like he played against TCU to see what he can do. I mean, that's one of those op- uh, opportunities for him to really make a name for himself because, I mean, look, he is he's still young. Correct. He's still young. He's still fresh. He's got a, way, a ways to go. Um, but I think once the other guys start to step up and can complement his play, that's when this team can be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely. And for the leading, the leading player for TCU was Desmond Bain. He is a senior from Richmond, Indiana. He hit seven three-pointers against the Cajuns. He had 25 points, 9 of 16 from the field, 7 of 13 from the three-point line, seven rebounds, five assists, and a steal for the Horned Frogs. And I'm going to pull up the team stats. I want to say as a team, they were 18 of 38. From the three-point line. Yeah, we uh, we weren't. No, God, God, <laughs> we were, no, we, we weren't. were far from Eight, that. Eighteen is act, was actually a school record for TCU against the Cajuns. So you know, obviously injuries plagued the Cajuns in Fort Worth, but I, I, I never want to say this, but this wasn't a game that the Cajuns were supposed to win to begin with. So I, I see Josh staying staying quiet. Where do you see this team finishing in the Big 12? Where do I see TCU finishing in the Big 12? Yes. Middle, somewhere in the middle. Hell, if, if, if Desmond Bain hits seven threes, you know, every other game, they might win the Big 12. I can just tell you from my idiotic eye, because I'm just a fan, right? I didn't see any... I saw no evidence that they're a great transition team. They're nope. not a great defensive team. Nope. They didn't have a ton of size. Nope. What I saw was a whole lot of wide-ass open jump shooters. We were ten of twenty-one from three-point line. That's not bad. Not bad. Shade into fifty. That's not bad. But you're gonna lose when you let guys shoot wide-open shots in college basketball. Hundred percent agree, especially in this day and age. And look, I understand that we're short on depth and we're young, but you 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 don't have to be 
a savvy fifth year senior to know that you got to stick your hand in somebody's face. Nope. Yeah. Uh, isn't well. I'm not going to go that far into it, but I think that we can certainly improve defensively, transition wise, and putting hands and faces on the perimeter. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's, you're going to have to. That's about as even nice against, as I can put that. Not to not to get ahead, but even against Youngstown State, we thankfully Youngstown State they didn't hit the shots. They can't shoot threes, but we left way too many guys open. How many turnovers and do we have against Youngstown? Youngstown? Let's see. Twenty four. We'll go ahead and get into that. We'll go ahead Especially and get into that game half. now. Cajuns returned home Friday night to play Youngstown State. Final score: Cajuns were victorious, seventy three to sixty one, in front of a crowd of four thousand eight hundred and four in the Cajun Don't Must have counted the flies in that. Now, <laughs> Matt, that's so mean, dude. Here's the thing: I wasn't at the game. I was on my way to Biloxi. So I was listening to the game on the radio. You guys were there. You guys were there. So um, did it, I mean? How was the crowd? I thought the crowd was engaged and old. A bunch of old people. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> I'm just trying to make Matt laugh. Okay. Whew. All right. So compose yourself. Man. Yeah. I'll, I'll say this. <laughs> we had a good time with the game. I'll say this. The crowd that was there. All four hundred, four thousand was 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 very you know into the game, very active. Sure, you know whatnot, which, which is great, especially but when your average age there is seventy six. But there was, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just messing. Okay, up. we're gonna, we're gonna. Oh my god! <laughs> Moving on. Oh my god! I just wanted to hear all the crowd. No, <laughs> that's a great part. Just it was a fun crowd. We had a good time at the game. I was pleasantly surprised in person to see Two, how athletic we actually are. Two thousand max. Oh. Kobe Kobe Julian was a, a man child against. This was Youngstown kind of like his State. coming out party. I thought I like Kobe Julian now, a now, whole lot. Yeah. Here, here's the thing: forty minutes on the clock, he played thirty eight of them. It showed. Seven it showed. tells you how much they trust him too. Seven of twelve, one of three from the three point line, eight of eight from the free throw line. He grabbed seven rebounds, had a block and three steals, twenty three points on the night. Jalen Johnson. Wow. Originally from Baton Rouge, the St. Louis transfer, played 39 minutes, 6 of 11 from the field, 4 for 4 from the free throw line. He had 10 rebounds, 1 assist, and 2 steals. How many were offensive? Points. Because he was very active. On he the had 3 line. offensive boards. Almost everyone was a, it had to be a putback. Yeah. I was had, very impressed by his ability on the He had 3 offensive boards. Cajuns had 5 offensive boards on the night, 29 defensively. Uh, and again, you know, I said it when talking about the TCU game, Malik Wilson. Again, I can't say enough about this freshman. Sports Center top ten dunk number five. Yeah, in cool. Sports Center top ten, yeah, yeah. he had the steal turned around, and you could hear in you know about what ten minutes down the road, Lafayette Regional Airport, Malik Wilson, you were cleared for takeoff. Right, it, it came it out of nowhere. It was it that was, was an impressive jump. It was beautiful. Well, I mean, um, I bet that those four thousand eight hundred fans. Oh, the the forty eight hundred people just went ballistic. It definitely sounded like when, when that happened. Point. Yeah. Well, but, there were forty eight hundred there, so yeah, of course it sounded like that. Yeah, so anyway. it, it made perfect sense. Why now get that? get this: exactly. in the first half, the Cajuns were nine of twenty six from the field. Yeah, I, I I did have the chance to watch the first half, um, and yeah, they that flat 
just flat, couldn't get a basket to save their life. Couldn't make a shot. And, what, and, and what that happens, that's going to happen sometimes. And it sounds like some of those shots were forced. Um, I agree. But you got to give credit to Youngstown State. They played, they played great defense. And one thing Youngstown State did in the first half that they couldn't do in the second half, making baskets on transition. Yeah. yeah. They made a lot of baskets in the first half. And I think it tells the story of our team as well. And we talked about this prior to the podcast, but I think that historically under Bob, we – We've kind of made a living getting easy buckets in transition. I don't think that this team is structured in that way. I think that this team will really benefit from a, a robust half-court offense. I think sure. we have the people. We have the personnel. I think a lot of those forced buckets that you're talking about came in transition. Yeah. yeah. You, they tried to make things happen that weren't there. I, I think, you know, we, we made the comments about Dugay. Uh, he was probably your, your most important piece of those. So, I think going forward, we really need to focus on a half-court offense. Now, how about the free we haven't throw? had one in a while. But so. How about the free yeah, throw? Yeah, sec- second half. Free throw shooting is very the encouraging. The were a perfect 22 for 22 in the second half. That's bringing, awesome. Bringing their game total to 87.5%. They were 28 of 32 for the contest. And, you know, other than, than you know, talking about Kobe Julian, Malik Wilson, Jalen Johnson, and the magnificent free throw shooting, nothing stood out. From well, this game. Let, let me say this. Kobe Julian is going to be a difference maker. I don't know if it's going to be second half of this season. or I'm telling you. So, I made the comment. He's the standard, ladies and gentlemen. No, no. He really is a standard. No, I, I'm, I'm not, he's, I'm he's not joking legit. when I think that. He's legit. I think he is he's the a standard. difference maker. And, and I made the comment that he looked like, I think he looked like a 42-year-old man with five kids and a career. <laughs> he looks like a full-grown man, and he's a difference maker defensively, offensively. Uh, he looks like – it looks like the team – response to him when he's playing well you could see a little extra step so that was very encouraging uh but he's only going to get better this guy is still learning how to play basketball at this level and and he's i don't know how all the way recovered he is from the knee so we're still learning about that no question but i'm very encouraged by him i'm very encouraged by malik wilson like you said i think jalen johnson can be a stalwart in the offense uh he's like i said he's also active on the glass i think if we can Identify Duguay's part. You know where what is the what's going to be the role for him? How is he going to impact the offense and defense? Yeah, guy's got the skills. He's definitely got the size. He's he's athletic enough. Yeah, he's got the size too. How are we going to use him? We, we we've got to. I think we need to limit. We need to stop letting him think that he can just do whatever on a basketball court and and narrow it down to what's going to be his key responsibilities and then let him grow from there. You know, in my unprofessional opinion, obviously. Yeah, I think uh, Duguay, he's he's. Um, I, I still think we're experimenting with this team in many ways. Sure, absolutely, um, and that's fine. And look, I mean, for the most get part, it together for conference, okay? That's all I ask. Well, that's that's what I'm saying. I, I'm really going to judge this team come conference time. Right now, they're still finding their identity, but they're still three and one on the season too. Um, and they found ways to win. You know, uh, against McNeese, they found a way to win the other night against Youngstown State, and. Um, you want this for a young team. You want you want a young team like this to just find a way, and sure. they've done that. And so, because look, it's not going to get any easier. You've got Wyoming come Thursday night. You've got uh, who else? You see Irvine, Detroit Mercy, Arizona State. I mean, <laughs> it gets tough. It gets tough. Uh, and then you got Southeastern coming to Lafayette. They're pretty good. Team. They're not bad. They're a good team, so and they're, they're historically get, not bad. They're going to get challenged. They're going to get challenged, but I'd rather them get challenged now. Yeah. Set their feet to the fire now before conference, because this conference is going to be pretty pretty decent this year. Uh, another comment about Duguay. I know we get a little frustrated here in the early season, but 
I do agree with the way that they're letting him find out what he can do. Yeah. You know, and like I said, the turnovers. Well, they're giving him play time. Well, the turnovers get I mean, to be aggravating, you know, for a fan. Right. At the same time, we need to let him fail now so that he knows exactly where his his role is going to be most effective on the team. Sure. But they obviously like him enough to just thrust him into the lineup and let him figure it out. And I'm, I'm okay with that. You know? Yeah. I, I think the guy's got plenty of ability. So the Cajuns' 12-point win over Youngstown State brings them to 3-1 and one on the year. Tomorrow they will fly to Denver and bus up to Laramie, Wyoming to play against the Wyoming Cowboys Thursday night. Tip-off is at 8 p.m. Central. Before heading to Las Vegas next week for the MGM main event tournament, Monday they'll play Detroit Mercy. Tuesday they'll play UC Irvine. A little score update for, for college, in college basketball for you. Wyoming and Detroit Mercy actually played each other tonight. Final score, Wyoming 76, Detroit Mercy 49. Former Ragin' Cajun Justin Miller, who's now playing for Detroit Mercy, 13 minutes of action. He had five rebounds, zero assist, zero points. Okay. Solid contribution. And with that, we will take a commercial break. We'll have the two-minute drill. And when we come back, we'll preview the game, the football game against Troy this Saturday. Here on the Ragin' Cajun Army. Guys, you know, Saturday is, is a big game for Cajuns football. Home home game against Troy. It's Louisiana Salutes Night. It is the annual blackout game as well. You know, just on paper, Troy is, you know, phenomenal. Uh, they're averaging close to 30 points a game. You know, very, very similar to what the, the Cajuns are averaging as well. But... The thing that's the thing that's most impressive to me is you look at Caleb Barker's numbers on the year. He's al- he's almost up to thirty two hundred yards passing, thirty touchdowns, and only seven interceptions. Wow, I mean, there's that's the value of Chip Lindsey right there. He's uh, there the the numbers that he is putting up in the Troy offense are just phenomenal. They're scoring thirty nine point two points per game. Granted, they're giving up thirty two. But they're scoring 40. Um, the Cajuns score 38.2 and only allow 18.1 per game. And, you know, we, we talk about how good their passing offense is, and the numbers are drastic. They're averaging 325 in the air. They're only averaging 152 on the ground. And if you look at their losses, uh, right now they're 5-5, five and five, but, you know, the losses Southern Miss 47-42, five-point loss. Uh, Arkansas State, 50-43, seven-point loss. Um, Coastal Carolina came back with 30 seconds left, went for two, lost by uh, beat, beat Troy by one point. So Troy had a one-point loss. So that's, let's see, one, two, three losses by a touchdown or less. So one more touchdown for each of those games. Troy could be looking at, what, uh, eight, eight and two record just like the Cajuns right yep. now? Uh, so don't let that five and five record fool you. Yeah, that, that, that's the thing. They're, and you they're know, catching I was, fire. I, I was talking to a friend about it. And, you know, you you look at a lot of those games, and they came down to the end. They came down to a point or two, and but like we like we just said, you you swing that around, and they could be tied for first in the West, just like 
they could be tied for first in the West with us. So, I mean, there's there's a lot that goes into this game. There's a lot of factors riding on this because a loss for the Cajuns could be deadly. Well, they're, they're in the East, aren't they? Troy's in the East. Are they? Yeah. They are. They are. You're right. Correction. My my. But apologies. they could be in the hunt. But you they see, there's there's the there's. But here's the thing, you you win the you win this game. They somehow miraculously beat App next week. And then you know they they might not make it to the conference championship game. They might not win the East, but they're gonna play spoiler. Yeah, they'll help us out. Yeah, <laughs> most most definitely. Um, you know, kickoff is at four from Cajun Field. And I haven't been this nervous about a game since we played App, uh, you know, in October. But guys, what what are y'all seeing on paper? What do y'all think? You know, if if you if you've seen any film, you know, what are your what are your thoughts on Troy? Um. Well, honestly, okay, I take that back. That wouldn't help us out if they went out because that means no. We're if they two, if they beat if, if they beat us, that that hurts us tremendously. Yeah. Um. I'm. I've told you earlier. I'm nervous about this game. Um. You know. Not because of us, but because of Troy. You know, they've been hot lately. They've put up a lot of points. They can score. And all it takes is for our offense to have an off game, and they can take advantage of that. Uh, They throw the ball well. This is going to be a great test for our secondary. I think that uh, the good news is that their defense, especially their rush defense, is not that good. So we should be able to take full advantage of that. I mean, look, Coastal Carolina hung 36. Arkansas State hung 50. Right, they've had some teams that we've pretty much handled pretty easily that have hung more points than than not. So I mean, so even, those, Texas, even Texas two teams, State, even Texas State hung twenty seven on them the other week. Those know, two teams hung a combined twenty seven on us, but hung a combined. You you said Arkansas State hung how many? Uh, 50, Fifty plus thirty six, eighty six. Yeah, I mean, so teams score on them. The the um, the, write, the writing's on the wall, people. The team, the, a lot of teams score on them, but again, you know that doesn't change the fact that the Cajuns have to have to play then, a good game on offense. And then offense. here's the thing: Vegas doesn't lie. Except last week. Well, I mean, who, who, look, here's the deal. Of course, it's a game that matters, so we're we all should get up for it. Absolutely. And you know, I'm not necessarily a play the game on paper kind of guy. Their defense is boo boo. Okay. <laughs> Troy's defense is not very good. Right, their, their, their rush defense is a clown. Sh- it's a clown show. It's one of the worst in, San- in the uh, Sunbelt Conference. If if it was a fifth, we'd all be drunk. We destroyed these teams that they barely beaten or lost to. I- I'm not worried in the slightest. The only thing that gives me pause is Mike Jacquet's health. Jacquet, sorry, Mike. It's the only thing that even makes me kind of think twice. I might be the only person in Lafayette that thinks that, but if we don't win by 14-plus, I'll be shocked. Well, I'm surprised by the spread. I'm surprised it's that high. Uh, what is the spread? It's 14. 14. Oh, well, per- see? Look at that. And I, mean, I don't even have to look. It's crazy because the past two weeks, you've seen Troy kind of get back to their old groove. Um, I think they, that it, I think there's something to be said about a team that's playing right well. Now. They're clicking right I now. I think a team that's motivated me. is dangerous. Don't get me wrong. We got them at home. If we can't show up at home... We don't deserve to be a conference champion. Yeah. So all this stuff, it's fun to talk about playing App State on December 7th. And you guys know I've, I've, from the moment we lost to them on national television, I couldn't wait to get back to Boone. Mm-hmm. He's already booked his trip, people. That's right. I got tickets done. I'm going to Boone, and I'm going to raise hell. And 
you know, hopefully we can hook up with uh, the Black and Gold podcast and have a good time with it. Be oh, fun. Be God, a lot of fun. Be, fun. be a lot be of fun. fun. But here's the thing. It's still a game that you got. It, it, it matters. You have to play it out. You can't look ahead and say, well, we have another opportunity in ULM. We need to take care of business. TCOB on this week. This is the game to win. It, it, it looks a whole lot better now than it did three weeks ago because Troy was struggling. So they're formidable. It's, it's, a, it's an opponent that you have to worry about. I don't have any doubt that we'll be motivated. So when we're motivated, we're a damn good team. No doubt. You know, Absolutely. All, totally joking here, but the, the Matt Miguez Broke College Student Foundation is <laughs> is accepting donations for, for a trip to Boone on December 7th. It's free if you start walking right now. Hey, there you go. There you I go. mean, God, I would hope so. Um, you know, looking looking at Troy on paper, I just I can't get over the numbers that Caleb Barker's put up this year. It's impressive. I mean, 3,200 yards in a college season is almost unheard of, especially when you play in a conference like the Sun Belt. Sure. So, you know, and, and to have 30 touchdowns, I mean, Jesus Christ, he's got to be right on the tail of Joe Burrow. Listen, Jesus can throw as many touchdowns as he wants. Everybody knows that. But here's, here's the thing. <laughs> I mean, you know I was going to say something like that. Barker's a good player. We already knew that. And the reason why Chip Lindsey's name continued to come up in coaching searches is because the guy has a proven track record of, of producing. We even considered Chip Lindsay, if you guys remember. I remember his name. We, we discussed it at length, actually. So it doesn't surprise me that, you know, what are we? Was he there last? No, Neil went last year. So this yeah. is Neil literally game number eight, nine for him. So it takes a while. Look at Napier. It takes a while to implement. It takes a while to get everybody on the same page. You're starting to see the fruit now, and uh, I don't. I don't take them lightly. I don't. I don't want. I don't want to come off like that, but. I also know what we're capable of. I know that we're going to be at home. We're going to be motivated. We're playing for an opportunity to go back to Boone and, and really get our revenge. And I think that they're going to be aware of that. And I think our staff, I trust our staff enough to prepare these players like they should be prepared. So Yeah, that's the beauty of Billy Napier and his staff is he's prepared these guys every week, one game at a time. And you can tell they take that approach each yeah. time they take the field. Yes. Um, I know for a fact this week, and, and one of our mutual friends said it best, you know, he did it against Coastal, and I think he's going to do it against Troy, even though I'm still a little nervous about it. Look, Troy beat us last year. Sure. They beat us, I think it was by 10 points, but it was a game we could have won. We basically gave it away. And that Troy team last year was really good. And our team, our guys knew that we, we were good enough to beat them. Well, fast forward, this team's a lot better than last year's team. And you know we're the ones coming in with an advantage. We're the ones coming in with a chip on our shoulder to prove to everybody that, look, we can not only compete with Troy, we, we, we're expected to beat them. So that's one thing that gives me a little bit of, of confidence. At the same time, I just naturally as a fan, I don't like playing teams that are just clicking. I just don't. Um, it's concerning because of the fact that they are putting up points. And again, we will have to play. The secondary is going to have to play their best game. And I agree with you. Michael Jacquet not being there. It's concerning. It's concerning. Because, you know, if you got a quarterback like Barker who throws the ball, he can go pick on that side. Sure. I mean, and that's, that is kind of And a good scary. coach exploit. Now let me ask you this. Do you think A-State's passing attack is more formidable? God, no. Absolutely not. I don't know. I think it's a close. I think God, no. I think it's close, man. I don't think so. No. Now, do, does A-State have better receivers? Well, when absolutely. I say yes, passing absolutely. game. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But if you – here's here's the thing. If you put Caleb Barker – 
in Arkansas with Arkansas State's receivers, Arkansas State would probably be undefeated in the Sun Belt. I'll tell you what, I didn't think to, I didn't think that and A-State's possibly backup possibly was... contending for the best G five school in the country. I mean, you got two NFL receivers on the team, absolutely, and our guys performed well. You got and yeah. and, and most keep, of the yardage was, was trash. Yardage. Keep in mind mm-hmm. that he, he's not going to get it, but you know Chase Gage from from uh, Arkansas State, and I've been talking about it at length l- lately. Omar Bayless deserves the Bolinkanoff. Hey, he may, he may as well, but that that furthers my point. Strength is my he, point. He leads the country in almost Mike every shut receiving. his ass down. It, look, I understand he got well, 150. Yeah, and, I was about to say he got 150. But you understand that 75 of those was on one of them was on a pass interference, and the other one was in garbage time play. where yeah. the game was over. Mm-hmm. So, they, by no means did they torture our secondary. Our secondary. Right. Look, I, I know that we had a we, we touched on it in a prior podcast, but. This secondary is so much better than last year. Oh, they're good, man. It's unbelievable how much and better they are. And I do like the fact that it matches and up deeper, on our secondary. And deeper, by the way. Oh, absolutely. I do like the fact that it matches up. But again, you know, even though Troy... Again, Troy's record does not reflect the team itself. I agree. No, no. Um, I agree that they've been hitting on cylinders, and maybe all cylinders me, later in the year. And maybe it's me being a little concerned because this is the time of year where you start to... And this is, this is a... Maybe it's a thing with the Cajuns. But it's a CDS situation. Exactly. Yes, I, I, that's. I think that's what it is. I really do think it's a CD, the Cajun disaster syndrome. I think there's a little bit kind of creeping in to me as a fan because in the past, and you've seen it recently over the past five or six years, where this team can make a run at a conference championship and then they lose to some inferior team that shouldn't have been on the same field as yeah. the Cajuns, and so. Luckily, again, we have the coaching staff that'll get this team ready. At the same time, you know, for example, Levi's going to have to play a lot better on offense. The running game's going to have to continue to do what they did just like last week. Defensive line cannot basically open up the Red Sea like they did last week against a bad South Out team. Look, and Zion's out. And that's a blow. And that hurts. That's a blow. You're but Nelson's got to step up. Benny's got to be himself. Play around that. We, we, you Man, play around going to be a little healthier now. You see, he's starting his his snap load is starting to get a little bit higher. Here's another thing too. Even though we're playing for a spot in the championship, Troy's trying to play for survival. They're trying to play for a bowl. They're game. trying to play for a bowl game. That's They're right. playing. They are on, in survival mode right now. That's right. We got a little bit of a cushion, but I do think. Look, at the end of the day, I do feel confident enough. Even though I'm a little worried. I still feel I, I, again. Last week's game against South Al was a blessing in disguise. I agree. I think that game opened up the eyes of these these guys and realized, look, can't take anyone lightly. I agree. And I think they'll they'll be ready to go. But uh, with a little bit of in, the injury bug that we're facing right now, that that concerns me a little bit. Um, but I do think we just have the better team. I just think we have the better team. Um, but I'm still a little worried. I'm, I mean, I'm, until kickoff, I'm going to be a little worried about this game. Anybody that's ever been a Cajuns fan, a USL fan, we all have that. It's in us. It's in our blood. You know, something's going to go we're wrong. We're used to being let down. That's right. right. Yeah, no, absolutely. Kickoff, like I said, 4 p.m. from Cajun Field Saturday. Guys, any final predictions before we wrap this one up? Ooh. Um, well, 14-point game. I do think Troy covers the spread. Uh, I think because of their offense, they are... They will put up some points. Uh, the Cajuns right now, I think, have a nine-game win streak or nine-game streak of giving up thirty points or less. I believe. Correct. Uh, it might be. It might be. Uh, might be questioned this week. Um, if they play their A game, if they realize that wake-up call against South Al last week, I'm gonna go 
something similar to what we saw against Mississippi State, except I'm going to see the Cajuns on the winning end. I still think the Cajuns win. I still I do think it's within the 14-point spread. I think the Cajuns win it uh, by a final score, 38-28, just like the first game against Mississippi State. But again, the Cajuns will be on the winning side. And with this win, they will clinch year number two, second straight chance at a conference championship. Because again, all the Cajuns have to do is win the next one out of two games to have a shot at the conference title. So yeah, 38-28 Cajuns clinching their spot in their second uh, Sunbelt Conference Championship appearance. I can't wait to talk mad shit about ULM next week. Uh, when you said that, it just reminded me. Oh, I forgot I we're playing ULM next week. I hate week. Uh, oh, we're going to have a fun podcast, aren't we? Oh, I, nice. I don't know what the over-under is this week. I would guess between 71 and 73. I would take the, the under because I think Billy's going to game plan for that and it's going to be a ball control type game. I think the Cajuns keep the score a lot lower than people think. I think that uh, we do win by 10 to 14 points, and I think we use a running game to do it. Over and un- over under 71. It's almost like the guy's done this before. Sickening, isn't it? Uh, uh, no, I, I stick by that. I, I think uh, what I really hope is that we come and we show out and we pack the field and we – Show these guys yep. we appreciate them because yeah, show up, this man. has been a. It's going to end up being a historic season. It's already historic. It's already historic, but you know we have the chance. We're going to achieve a level we've here's, never here's, achieved before. Here's the thing, and I know that this is a daunting task, but you win these last two games at home. School record. It is the first ten win season in school, in school history. That's correct. And not to mention this win against South Al. Uh, we just solidified our first winning season, regardless of what happens. Now, knock on wood, but the Cajuns could lose out in yep. the championship, and it's still win- in the, the bowl, bowl game, game, the everything next two else. Games, they can and it's still a winning six. season. The Cajuns solidified a winning season. For I'm yeah, not going to And, you just, in and you, just, you just screwed us. Thank I'm not you very participating much. in this conversation. Okay, either. anyways, 4 o'clock kickoff Saturday for the Blackout Game, Louisiana Salutes. You can check out my preview article. It should be up tomorrow or Thursday on underdogdynasty.com. Link will be posted on the Raging Cajun Army Twitter page as well as Raging Pajun. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Raging Cajun Army. You can email me questions, comments, and concerns, Army at gmail.com. And, guys, thank you for joining me as always, and we will see you Saturday at Cajun Field for the game against Troy. And we'll come back next week and prepare for the greatest week of the season. ULM hate week. I hate you. Can't wait. All right, guys. Alon Kajans. Yay, sports. Woman about town finally made her voice heard in this episode. Oh, my God. Okay. We'll see you guys next week. And until then, go Cajuns.